When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to our GSP Ace of the Day segment, a show where I'll offer my picks for each and every day of the 2023 Australian Open. Day 11 of the event is upon us. It's crazy to say this out loud. We've reached the semi-final round of singles competition, two outstanding women's single semifinals on the schedule tonight for all of us to enjoy. Of course, each of those matches fascinating for varying reasons. You look at the top half of the draw, you've got two former slam champions competing in Elena Rabakina and Victoria Azarenka. Of course, Rabakina's pathway to this final, as impressive as any player you will see in either the men's or women's singles draw, Rabakina, a straight set victory over world number one top seed Ika Sviantek in the round of 16. She follows that up with perhaps an even more impressive performance in her straight set win over Yelena Ostapenko. And we know when it comes to Elena Rabakina, who finished the 2022 season as the number three server amongst top 50 players on the WTA Tour, she is capable of playing a level of transcendent power tennis that, simply put, takes her opponent's racket out of their hands. But look, you know who the opponent she's going to face across the net will be? It'll be two-time Australian Open champion Victoria Azarenka. Azarenka has reached the semifinals of the Australian Open twice before. Each of the times she has in the past, she's walked away with the trophy. And look, for Azarenka, not only to beat Jessica Pagula in the quarterfinals when Pagula had arguably been the best player in the world, through the first three weeks of the season for Azarenka to beat her in straight sets, that sends a message to the rest of the field and matches what we've seen with our eyes. Victoria Azarenka playing as well as any player remaining in the field. Of course, that sets up a fascinating semifinal number one tonight. Semifinal number two is going to offer us a first-time WTA Slam finalist. And it feels like when... Not if Arena Sabalenka will make that first slam final. Certainly, she's reached multiple semifinals in her career at the majors, reached the semifinals of the last major we saw competed at the 2022 U.S. Open. But it's just been a different Sabalenka to start this 2023 season. She wins the Adelaide One title without dropping a set. She has yet to drop a set in her five victories here at the Australian Open. An impressive straight set victory, punctuating things over Donna Vekic in the quarterfinals. Sabalenka, another one of those players, capable of playing that transcendent power tennis where, as an opponent, you just don't have many answers when Sabalenka plays her best. That said, you know who's had all the answers throughout the course of this 2023 Australian Open, Magda freaking Lynette, who's not only competing in her first slam semifinal of her career, it's her first slam second week 
of her career. She has played 30 major main draws in her lifetime. She lost 17 first-round matches in those 30 majors, from 17 first-round losses to first major slam semifinal to do it after the age of 30 as well. It just speaks to how impressive this run from Magda Lynette has been. And it's not as though she's been handed a cupcake draw. Her getting here is a byproduct of multiple upsets. No, it's Magda Lynette who's been taking the scalps. Not only the straight set win over Carolina Pliskova, who she was 2-7 and seven against in her career, entering yesterday's match, the win she had over Caroline Garcia, the win over Annette Conteve. Magda Lynette's done it the hard way. And she's been so impressive, just showing off her variety, showing off the fitness, the totality of things she can do. She's going to need to do all of them, taking on, again, a player who arguably has looked better via the eye test than any other player in the draw in Arena Sabalenka. That's a fascinating battle uh, to set up, I should say, that we have on our hands tonight here for semifinal number two. And with the stage set, my plan here on today's show is to preview those semifinals we have here on day 11. For all of you tennis fans, I want to offer my thoughts on who I see progressing to the 2023 Australian Open Final, of course, via the odds, via our friends at DraftKings, of course, also looking at the tennis abstract singles forecast. I want to run all of you through the percentages, the numbers, run you through the tactical advantages I think each of these players have as well. Think of this as an extensive preview of tonight's women's single semifinal action. So with that in mind, I will also point out on this segment through the tournament thus far, 18-14-1. We're about even, you know, plus a little bit for this event, but we're over 500. That's always a good place to be heading into championship weekend. We still have a large futures bet on Novak winning the tournament, certainly after another straight set victory from him in the quarterfinal round. You feel better and better about that wager, but we still have a little bit of winning to do, and that's what I intend to do here with my day 11 picks. So with that in mind, let's get to it. Here are my thoughts on tonight's Australian Open Women's Single Semifinals, as well as my GSP Aces of the Day. Let's start with Ace number one, which serves as my de facto preview of this Rabakana-Azarenka matchup. I think this match goes over the 21 and a half games being offered by our friends at DraftKings. And in case you are unfamiliar with what that over means, it means, simply put, I think the match will have more than 21 and a half games played in it. And if it, you're getting 21 and a half games, 6-4, 7-5, any sort of three-set result, this is my way of saying I think things are going to be extraordinarily tightly contested tonight. And why do I think that will be the case? I'll lay that out for you now. Let's start with Elena Rabakina. I laid it out pre pretty clearly in the introduction, but Rabakina is just playing a uh, is playing and capable of playing a level of power tennis that I refer to as Serena Williams Power Tennis Country Club stuff, where again, she's just taking the racket out of her opponent's hand, regardless of what Victoria Azarenka will be capable of doing to pressure Rabakina throughout the match when Rabakina is executing at her finest, making the first serve, having the opportunity to play her brand of first strike tennis. And then when she's holding serves subsequently, that ability to take the return early on the rise, be so aggressive with that ball that again, even if you're landing good first serves, it doesn't matter because Rabakina is swinging for broke. And when she connects, it erases the effect of a first serve oh so quickly. 
That's what Elena Rabakina has done over the course of her past two matches and really throughout the course of this tournament. It's not just wins over Sviatek and uh, Ostapenko, the win over Danielle Collins as well. In round number three, you look for Rabakina, who was broken once but fought off seven of eight break points against Ostapenko. She fought off two of four against Iga Sviatek, but let's keep in mind Iga is the best returner on the WTA Tour over the course of the last two, 52 weeks. She's broken serve over 50% of the time to limit Iga to only two breaks of serve. That speaks to how effective that first serve has been for Elena Rabakina. And even though she's failed to land it over 60% of the time in any of the matches that she's played, she's won over 80% of her first serve points in three of her five matches and over 75% of her first serve points in each of her five victories. So far, and that speaks to again, Rabakina has been the front runner in each of her matches. That allows her to be that much more aggressive as a returner. Of course, from a technical standpoint, Rabakina is flawless. The forehand technique, concise, condensed, yes, can be attacked with elite pace, but every forehand can be attacked with elite pace. The backhand, I think every tennis fan can notice how exceptional Rabakina is at driving through the ball on that wing, how condensed her backswing is, and how that allows her to absorb, redirect, and then impose some of her own pace. And then, look, is she the best mover? No. Does she want to play, be playing defensive tennis? No. For someone who's almost six feet tall or maybe just over that six-foot number, Rabakina moves extraordinarily well. I love how quick her first step is. I love how well she anticipates, and because she both anticipates well and has a quick first step, she can extend a rally or two more than you think. Now, some of the issues for Rabakina is when she is attempting to extend those rallies, she'll go with play with a little more power than perhaps she should go for a shot with a little less margin than you're capable of pulling off in that position. But you look for Elena Rabakina, it's not just this event. It's not just the 2022 Wimbledon. Since the start of the 2020 season, and I know I've alluded to this statistic quite frequently over the course of the past few days, but since the start of the 2020 season, her breakout campaign, which happened at the end of 2019, but she makes the final of Shenzhen, she wins Hobart, she loses to Barty as a seed third round at the start uh, Australian Open start of 2020. That was really when she ascended and was like, hey, who's this big hitting Rabakina? We need to keep an eye on moving forward. Since that time, Rabakina has won more than two-thirds of her matches overall. Elena Rabakina, you look during that stretch, 108 and 56. She's winning two-thirds of her matches. She's now 29 and 10 at the majors since the start of the 2020 season. 29 and 10. She's played 11 majors. She almost has 30 wins. I mean, she's getting to about at least the fourth round of every major that she's played. And you look for Elena Rabakina, who during this stretch of time, and of course, shout out to our friends at Tennis Abstract, who make finding these numbers so easy. In her last 11 majors, she's made four second weeks. Now, you want to be even more specific than that. In her last eight majors, she's made four second weeks, at least. And now, obviously, she's made multiple semifinals, multiple quarterfinals. She does have a major title under her belt all before turning 24 years old. It's immense what Elena Rabakina has been able to accomplish over the course of the past three years. The sort of things you accomplish when, dare I say, you're on your way to a Hall of Fame career. And I know I made this point the other day. Rabakina is not a Hall of Famer yet, but she's on the pathway. She certainly hasn't been eliminated, which I would argue 90% of players are by the time they are 24 years old. 
Again, the big number I turn to, you look for Elena Rabakina to start this season, very limited sample size. She's holding 83.5% of the time. If that holds up, that's an all-time season. That's one of the five best serving performances we've seen on the WTA Tour. And the only two players I've ever seen who held over 80% of the time in the modern era, Serena Williams and a prime season from Naomi Osaka. Those are the only two I've seen. And that's the neighborhood Rabakina is hanging out in right now. And, you know, sometimes you look at a statistic, you think it's an outlier. How is statistics, how valuable are they really in a sport like tennis? Well, that matches what I've seen with my eyes. And again, I just think Rabakina is able to now hold serve against anyone. But look, she's going to have to be at her best once again as she takes on a thriving Victoria Azarenka in this semifinal match. And again, as impressive as Rabakina's pathway has been, Collins, last year's finalist, Sviantek, last year's semifinalist, the world number one, then a very much in form, Yelena Ostapenko. Victoria Azarenka's had a great run. You beat Jessica Pagula. You beat Madison Keys, each of whom had won five-plus consecutive matches entering their respective battles with Vika. You come through in three sets over a very much thriving Ju Lin in round number three, Tough first rounder against, I think, a now top 50 in at least a top 50 form, Sonia Kennan. She beats her in straight sets in round number one. Victoria Azarenka has been tested. Now, you also look, she's faced someone with elite weapons, and it took her a second to find her rhythm in round number three against Madison Keys. She dropped the opening set 6 1, but I went back, I watched the film from that match. What was so impressive was the adjustment Victoria Azarenka made more than anything on the return of serve. Once she got a better read on that return, everything opened up for Azarenka and just she was able to neutralize the first strike of Madison Keys. Of course, the biggest thing I've kept alluding to in our coverage of Victoria Azarenka here at Cracked Rackets over the past month has been how well she's moving. You could see it from day number one in Adelaide. And I know she lost a, a, a match there, three-set quarterfinal. I know she loses the next uh, to Noskova, and the next week she loses three sets to Kudermatova as well. A, neither of those are bad losses. B, in each of those matches, fitness was not the issue. It was the fact that Noskova, Kudermatova were two players who just on that day, their, wep- their elite weapons were a little bit more consistent than Azarenka. But Azarenka has found her form as a server as this event has progressed. And case in point against Jessica Pagula, she faced only four break points. Now, she was broken, serving for the first set, up 5-3. But again, how did she respond? Makes every return in the next game, didn't offer a single free point for Pagula, gets the break back, closes out the set. And is Victoria Azarenka Serena Williams' power tennis country club player? That's a thought I've been, I suppose, considering in my head over the course of the past couple of days because Vika explodes through the ball. It's heavy topspin. I thought against Pagula in particular, her ability to elevate the ball, get that ball up on Pagula's shoulders so that it wasn't as easy for Pagula to drive through the ball, get on top of the ball, get her momentum moving forward through the ball because the weight of Azarenka's shots continued to push her further and further back behind the baseline. And I mean, again, Vika put on a defensive display. She was confident moving forward as well. Victoria Azarenka is really good at everything. She's also definitely powerful. Is it elite transcendent power? It's explosive. She's fast. Her combination of movement and power and speed is an exceptional combination. It's why she's obviously, as a former slam champion, former world number one and unequivocal Hall of Famer at this point of her career, 
I don't know. I, I still think, again, you look for Victoria Azarenka, who over the course of the past, really since August 2020, right, where she made that run to the start, uh, wins, wins uh, Western Southern Open, makes the final at the U.S. Open before losing to Osaka. During that stretch of time, uh, she has gone 77-29. and 29. She's won 73% of her, that, her matches. That's better than her career average. You also look for Azarenka during this stretch. You know, I mentioned the 29-10 and 10 record for Elena Rabakina since the start of the 2020 season at the Slam. She's won 74% of her matches. Azarenka is 26-9. and nine. She has also won 74% of her matches over a very similar stretch of time at the majors. And again, for Azarenka, this is just her second semifinal, but you look for Victoria Azarenka. She's made the second week in five of the ten, her last 10 slams. In an era play, in an era defined by inconsistency on the WTA tour, where getting to the second week has been really hard for so many of the top players in the world, you can count Vika to be there every other time. And obviously, again, for her to beat Pagula in the fashion she did, she is clearly playing some of her best tennis entering this semifinal. You look at the matchup, the career head-to-head between the two. Rabakina won one victory in their one career matchup. She beat her at Wimbledon last year, was a three and four win for Rabakina, where Rabakina went unbroken during the course of the match, only made 54% of her first serves, but won 87% of those first serve points, 65% of her second serve points. This is the, the crux of the matchup. It's immovable force meets unstoppable object, right? It's the fact that Victoria Azarenka, who is perennially, even when she's injured, one of the 15, if not 10 best returners on tour, a career break percentage over 40%, is elite in WTA Tour history. In her best years, she was also a top 25, top 20 sort of server. She hasn't been that over the course of the past two and a half years. The serve has certainly dropped off a bit, and that's why she's every other second week at a major instead of every second week at a major like she was when she was at her very best. That said, you look for Victoria Azarenka to start this season. She served very well. I mean, limited sample size, but through 10 matches, she's held 77% of the time. That would be a top five number on the WTA Tour if extended over a full season. She's serving well. More than anything, she's moving well. She will be able to absorb some of the first strikes of Elena Rabakin. And again, she has so much length on her return of serve. She's so good at taking that ball early. The Rabakin kick serve that's been so effective of late. Azarenka has the size to, I don't want to say take that ball away, but make it a little bit more difficult for Rabakin to just have such an easy plus one first strike. I think this match is going to be really good. Really good. And again, for Vika, this is a place where she has thrived. She's made the semifinals twice before. Both times they led to a championship here, a title, I should say, at this Australian Open. I like the over in this match. I think it's going to be closely contested. I Again, you look at their one career head-to-head victory at Indian Wells. What was it? I said four and five, three and four. Excuse me, that's 19 total games. Now the over-under today, you look at this match, 21 and a half games. So you need a little bit more than that. I think Vika's just playing better than she was at Indian Wells. She's moving better. I think she's moving as well as she has probably since that 2020 U.S. Open where, again, she had six months off because play was halted due to the pandemic. Not that I want to say she had six months off, but she certainly came in well-rested and healthy. And when Vika has been healthy, she has been one of the 10 best players in the world. And in those events, she's played while healthy over the course of the two past two and a half years. So has Rabakina, immovable object. 
versus unstoppable force. This is going to be delightful. Grab the over, kick your feet up, enjoy this one. Now, for what it's worth, you look according to our friends at DraftKings, Elena Rabakina, a minus 190 favorite earlier in the day. She has moved up. She has moved up. That is fascinating. To minus 210. Now, the 21 and a half game spread is still minus 120. I still like that. I think Vika keeps this close. I think Rabakina's power tennis wins out in the end. It wouldn't shock me if we see a tiebreak set, maybe a six and four, which, by the way, still covers. If this is straight sets, we're going to have to sweat it out. It's going to get sweaty. I like the over. Let's kick our feet up. Let's root for as much of this match as possible. Give me Rabakina over as oh Azarenka over 21 and a half games, minus 120, half a unit to win 0.41. That's ace of the day number one. Ace of the day number two. Just quickly, the final thought. I just think Rabakina is executing too well with her first strike. And when you're the table setter, when you're the one with the non-negotiable weapons, then you know you're bringing the biggest gun onto the court in this gunfight in your serve in your first strike. And for Rabakina, it's not just the first forehand, it's the first forehand or the first backhand. Her willingness to move forward, the consistent pressure she's going to put on, uh, on uh, excuse me, Victoria Azarenka throughout the course of this match. I do think Elena Rabakina gets through. I, I just think, again, this is her cementing herself as, hey, I'm a tier one player. I'm just in the conversation for the rest of this decade. And we've had her in on the fringes and certainly in that com- in that conversation after, excuse me, her Wimbledon run. But I think she wins the match. You look at the money line. It's minus 210. Now, I had it at minus 195 when I originally made my wagers. Minus 195 is not great individual value. And again, I respect Vika too much to play around with the game spread. You can get Rabak at a minus two and a half, minus 140, which I think I've talked myself into even through recording this podcast. Maybe I should throw that out in there as a bonus ace for super producer Daniel Westhoff. Mm, Now we'll stick with the money line. Give me the Rabak and a money line. And we are going to throw it into a parlay. And that gets me to match number two. Arena Sabalenka, 77.2% favorite according to Tennis Abstract. By the way, Rabakina is a 52.3% favorite according to Tennis Abstract singles forecast. So they think it's going to be close. That's why we hit the over. Again, Vika's playing too well. She fights too hard. I do think Rabakina's power wins out. So I want her money line. And I'm going to attach it to Arena Sabalenka, who I'm aware, you know, Sabalenka... What's been so remarkable during this nine-match win streak is the fact that we haven't really seen any of the hiccups we've seen or you typically see during an Arena Sabalenka run, even when she's at her best. Typically, there will still be the match where she goes down a quick 4-1 or there's just 10 minutes of irredeemable tennis off of the racket of Arena Sabalenka where the errors pile up, the double faults pile up, and any rhythm she might have had seemingly lost in the snap of a finger That said, that's not who we've seen through these first nine matches for Arena Sabalenka, who has yet to drop a set here in 2023. Now, she was tested in her last match, a 3-2 win over Donna Vekic last night, which, of course, I recap over on the Mini Break podcast feed. But while the double faults creeped back in, it was her first time she double faulted more than 10% of the time in a match through this 2023 season. Part of that was because of the aggression Donna Vekic played with. Vekic was on top of the baseline, had to take the ball early, had to pull the trigger early, knew that in an extended rally, Sabalenka is just moving too well. She has too much overwhelming power. She's too unpredictable. 
That's not how Vekic was going to win points. It was Vekic who had to be on her front foot. And as such, the unforced errors piled up for Donna Vekic, but every time they were the right choice. And, you know, again, she would try to step inside the baseline on the return of serve. That's why Sabalenka tried to play a little bit bigger on that second serve rather than just, you know, again, offer a lollipop for Vekic to swing freely at. So I think the double faults, while discouraging, while concerning, uh, were targeted. They were better double faults than some of the Sabalenka double faults, I suppose, we've seen in the past. That said, she still fought off 12 of the 14 breakpoints that she faced. It felt like whenever she needed to land a first serve, and she only landed 56% of them against Vekic, but whenever she needed it, she found it. She's hitting the first strike, whether it's the forehand or the backhand wing, at an elite level. This is what elite power tennis looks like, how it's coming off of the racket of Arena Sapolink. And there were times where, again, her and Vekic, it would be like four ball exchanges or eight ball exchanges between them, excuse me. But each of the shots were over 100 miles per hour and just, again, pulverized with elite pace. I think she's moving well. She's moving forward well. She's playing confidently. Every time you've thought, okay, there's the hiccup, or okay, now Vekic is going to work her way back. This is where Sabalenka slows down, and this is where we see, you know, the prolonged rough stretch. Yeah, there were two to three points where the errors might have piled up, but Sabalenka quickly rebounded in just about every game that she played. And again, she's up an early break in the first set. Yes, she gave that break back, but because she was up the early break, she had some margin to ultimately work her way back into the set. You look set number two uh, for her, she cruised at the beginning and just played such overwhelming, aggressive tennis. And again, it's really hard to compete with that over the course of two hours. And, you know, for Sabalenka, it's what, a fourth major semifinal in her career, first in Australia. She's done it twice at the U.S. Open, once at Wimbledon, now once here. All four of them have come in her last, what, seven, six majors played because she couldn't play Wimbledon last season. Four semifinals and six majors is pretty darn good, folks. And again, you look for Arena Sabalenka over this stretch of time, 28-7 and seven, since the start of the 2020 uh, season at the majors. 28-7 and seven overall. Uh, excuse me, not 28-7, and 33-10 overall uh, at the majors over the course of, what, the past 11 that she's played. 33-10, and 10, that means... She's getting to at least the fourth round on average at all of them because 33 divided by 11 events. That means you're averaging three wins a major. That means you're getting to the fourth round at all of the majors that you're playing. She's also 28 and 7 against opponents ranked outside the top 20. And that's exactly what she'll face again in this semifinal in what has clearly been a top 20 player here in Melbourne in Magda Lynette. And look, Lynette had gotten back into the top 50, was playing some of her best tennis to end last season, but to see her beat. Conteve to see her beat Alexandrova, Garcia, then Pliskova. She gets broken right away against Pliskova to start that match. And I thought, okay, there it is. Like, this is where the, the come to reality moment for Magda Lynette, who again was two and seven against Pliskova in her career at the majors heading into this one. And then she didn't, like, again, and then she roars back and takes a 2-1 lead in that first set. And just, it's the relentlessness. She keeps the unforced errors down. She does such a good job of getting outside the ball to open up angles for herself. And she just had Pliskova completely stretched. Just 
in the outer thirds, never had her feet set. Pliskova felt this need to pull the trigger down the line to try and assert some sort of control in the rally. And that's when the unforced errors piled up and Lynette baited her into them. Lynette hit the passing shots, particularly on the backhand side, so well in her quarterfinal match. She's moving exceptionally. She's playing so freely. You can see the joy in her face. This is the ride of her life. She has absolutely nothing to lose. And look, she comes into this one 0-2 in her career against Arena Sabalenka. Now, they haven't played since 2021, but Sabalenka, a 1-3 win when they played in Tallinn, 2-1 win when they played in Tokyo. It's another match where Lynette can view herself very easily as the unequivocal underdog. Go out there and have you played throughout the course of this major, play with nothing to lose. Swing freely, take that backhand down the line to change direction, absorb, redirect the pace that Sabalenka is offering you. That said, like again, as well as Magda Lynette has played, as tough of a road as Magda Lynette has faced, she hasn't faced the combination of power, athleticism, and just overwhelming aggression. That comes with Arena Sabalenka. Like, yes, Garcia is extraordinarily aggressive, but it's a different sort of aggression. Garcia is trying to take the ball early on the rise, push you into the outer thirds. Sabalenka's aggression ends points. Sabalenka's aggression, the heaviness of her ball, it's a little bit different than Garcia. Garcia drives the ball. I mean, again, Garcia plays with elite power. I'm not saying that. Lynette hasn't seen that before, but it's it's just different. Like, Sabalenka's not in such a rush to get to the net. Sabalenka is just going to pull the trigger from the baseline whenever she gets her hands on it, and you have to deal with that pace relentlessly. You know, she's not going to be moving you around the court. She's going to hit the ball through you. I worry about this matchup for the Magda Lynette forehand, particularly on the serve. I think Sabalenka can have a lot of success serving to that wing. I just think this is Sabalenka's moment. It's an eye test thing. It's a history thing. She's 0-3 in semifinals coming into this semifinal. And I ask all of you, what makes more sense? Arena Sabalenka making her first major or Magda Lynette making her first major? It just feels like this is where, again, things come to an end for Magda Lynette as well as she's played. And look, I respect who she's played, how she's played the variety of paces and styles that she's played, that she gets to be such an unequivocal underdog. I respect that too much to mess around with the minus four and a half game spread that's being offered by our friends at DraftKings. I do think Sabalenka gets the job done. And that's why my next ace of the day, ace of the day number two, is a money line parlay. I mentioned Rabakina minus 195 over Azarenka. I'm going to throw that with Sabalenka, minus 475 over Lynette as well. And you know what? Initially, I had that as a half a unit play. Uh, do I respect that as a rank? Yeah, you know what? Go with the instincts. We're going to make that a half unit play as well. And here's why. The over 21 and a half games in Rabakina Azarenka is minus 120. The parlay of Sabalenka Rabakina, minus 120 as well. That's a sign from the gods. We're doing the right thing. Ace of the day, number two, Sabalenka, Rabakina, Moneyline Parlay, minus 120 odds when you do that. Half a unit on that as well. Two win, 0.41 in return. So to recap, here are my picks for the Australian Open Women's Singles Semifinals for ace number one. I'm going to take the over. 
21 and a half games in Rabakina Azarenka, minus 120 odds, half a unit to win 0.41. With how well Elena Rabakina is serving, you feel like she's going to find her way to at least four holds in every set that she plays. On the flip side, have you watched any Victoria Azarenka? She's moving as well as I've seen in years. She's playing as confidently as I have ever seen her experience on this stage as well will help keep this match close. That's why we take the over for ace number one. That said, elite power tennis rules all else. And that's what Elena Rabakina is playing right now. That's why I like her money line with Arena Sabalenka's money line for ace number two. That's also minus 120 odds win parlayed together. We'll throw half a unit to win 0.41 on the Sabalenka side of things. Again, have you watched her play? Clearly playing as well, if not better, than any player in the women's game. As great as Lynette's run has been, I think Sabalenka is the one who ends it. Give me the Rabakina sabalenka parlay, minus 124, ace number two. Those are my picks and thoughts heading into what should be an exciting day number 11 at this 2023 Australian Open. Of course, if you've missed any of the action, hop on over to our mini break podcast feed. We've got you covered with recaps of every day that's unfolded. Of course, a shout out as always to our super producer, Daniel Westhoff, who makes all of the content you're at Cracked Rackets possible with that said. For our fantastic super producer, Daniel Westhoff, and all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Those are my picks for day number 11. With that in mind, you know what we say. May the odds be ever in your favor. Good luck, everyone. Thank you.